Why don't we just pray for ourselves right now? If you feel like you've been that dry, those dry bones, if you feel like you've been through just a, a lot of things that have just wearied you, you feel like maybe you've even regressed in your Christian life and your gifts and your ministries, why don't we just be open today and just surrender to God and see what He wants to say to us today. Lord, we come to you, Lord Jesus, with different areas in our life where there's just dry bones, where different things that we've believed or promises that we've held on to seem like they're not coming to pass, or the busyness of life and the heaviness of the atmospheres that we're living in in this time, weary our soul. Oh God, we just pray that you would break off, Lord. Raise up, Lord, inside of us, Lord, the things that you want to happen. Refresh and renew ourselves. Restore our soul today. We pray for the activity of your Holy Spirit, Jesus, that brings you, the living Jesus, into our midst, that comes and brings new truths to our mind, that comes and refreshes our soul and gives hope therein. And then how you move upon our heart and our spirit, which is so connected to receiving your love and loving you. We present to you, Lord, our whole person, our spirit, our soul, and our body. We want to meet with you today, Lord. We came not for religion, not for just uh, to be doing something for our conscience sake that we have been religious or we've given you a little bit of our day. Oh, God, we come to be refreshed today. God, we come to experience you, Lord. Come, we want to experience the living God, the one who died for us, the one that rose again from the dead. I pray right now you'd resurrect dreams and hopes. I pray you'd restore vision and strength. I pray that every person here, Lord, would come to know you if they haven't accepted you. And those who know you and have made a commitment would receive more from you. I pray there would be a raising up inside. I pray for a fresh anointing to come upon your people. That when we walk out here today, we will be like those resurrected dry bones. Move on us in the rest of the service. Move on our children and kids' church, Lord. Move on our babies and toddlers, Lord Jesus, as they're in their own place. I pray for the Holy Spirit anointing that was even shown, Lord, in that video of how your Spirit moves, Lord, in a way that's unseen, and yet the winds of the Spirit move, and they refresh, and they rebuild, and they restore, and they give new life to us. We thank you for what you're going to do in these next few minutes, God. We thank you in Jesus' name. The title of my message today Maybe a little strange. Our soul and God's mantle. I feel like God, in this time, you know, it's where summertime is always a place where we look ahead to maybe getting a little refreshment, getting a little vacation. Some of our people are on vacation today. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I've gone on vacation lately, I'm not restored, I'm not refreshed. I recently went for a week to see my kids, and on my last day, I felt I got refreshed. I felt like my soul got restored, but it was in a worship service. It was going to my kids' church and just letting God minister to my heart. There's many things we try to do to satisfy our soul, but our soul is not refreshed with natural things. Oh yeah, it's good to have recreation. It's good to have fun times, but our soul is not refreshed. Last week we were at a grand opening of our sister church, uh, Valley Christian Fellowship in Nevada, one of our MFI churches, and we were enjoying with them uh, the opening up of the new building they just took over and just the excitement of all the work they'd accomplished and to see how neat everything is. But as I was sitting on uh, Saturday afternoon talking to the pastor, he said, you know, there's time when I go on vacation and the more I spend on vacation, the farther I get from God. It's because our soul can get caught up in so many things, but it's really only God who restores us. It's only our relationship with Jesus. It's only serving Him that really 
brings that deep satisfaction to our soul. Our soul is part of our fallen nature and it experiences the world and the world tells us what's going to refresh the soul. But only when you receive Jesus Christ does something begin to happen, just like those dry bones and the sinews coming on. In our soul, the Bible says that our soul gets salvation experience. It becomes restored and renewed. It becomes part of our new nature, and that is what we're going to take into heaven and then get a new body someday. But it is our spirit and our soul, the warfare that goes on for our heart, the warfare that goes on for the attentions in this life. Will we serve God? Will we invest our life now? Or or will we just do what our soul wants to try to find some limited satisfaction? I heard it explained yesterday that our soul, our life is like water in our hands. And we can't keep from letting it run out no matter how hard we try. And yet our soul life and the, the brief life we have here is dripping away. It's going away because we are not eternal here. Our eternity comes when we, our spirit and soul leave and go to be with Jesus. And then we begin to, to find and experience an eternity that is beyond what we could imagine. So talking about the soul and the mantle. I want to talk about the mantle today too because the mantle represents, it's only spoken about really a couple of places in the Bible and it comes out first really about Elijah. It talks about his mantle and his mantle being um, a representation of his call and God's anointing in his life. His prophetic mantle of authority to speak the word of God and the character and the, the way God worked and, and um, moved on his soul and developed him, that he had this heart after God. And back then, in the Old Testament, it wasn't like now, where when we come to Christ, the Holy Spirit, that anointing comes to all, all of us. And although, although the word mantle is not used in the New Testament, the word that really means mantle is the anointing of the Holy Spirit that comes when we accept Christ. There's an anointing that comes on us when we receive Jesus Christ. There's a mantle through that anointing that comes on us, and it's, it's to define us. It's to establish God's kingdom in us. It's to also establish gifts in us that are like the mantle that Elijah received. But our soul, it needs restoring there's a promise to our soul in Psalms 23, 1-2. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And the definition uh, from the Bible dictionary is want meaning lack. And so, in the verse of Scripture, God is telling us, your soul, our soul, my soul shall not lack. And immediately when we think of things that we want or need, we, we consider that we have lack, and we think, well, that Scripture's not true. But when God gives us that promise, he's saying there's a deeper lack that he's trying to satisfy that really nothing that we can figure out or no way that we could understand would really satisfy that part. He, the Lord, my shepherd, makes me to lie down in green pastures. We all like a good rest, a good vacation, a place to be restored. But the meaning that he has is tender greens or spiritual food giving hope and restoring our soul. That is when we're really satisfied. That's when um, there's, there's a place to lie down and rest. And many of you know you can be in the, in the best place in the world, in the most relaxing atmosphere, but if you're troubled, you're, you're not at peace. You don't necessarily look at that place of being green pasture. I know myself, when I was on vacation a few times, 
I was in the best place, but my soul was not at peace. My soul was wanting something more that really was spiritual. And until I met God, until it, it, that moment of going through the frustration and waiting, then when I experienced God, something lifted it, and my soul found that true refreshing. That verse goes on, He leads me beside still waters. And waters is always a representation of the troubled life, the turmoil, the unrest that is in our society. But the waters of the Spirit, the presence of God comes, and the Spirit of God calms our heart and brings peace to our soul. Our key verse for today is Psalms 23, the first part. He restores my soul. Many things, again, can pacify our soul or be a substitute. But true healing comes from the Lord, the Good Shepherd, my Good Shepherd, your Good Shepherd, our Good Shepherd. The definition from the Hebrew in the soul is, the soul is the living being. It's the life we have here in the natural. It's the self-life. It's our passion, our desire. The appetites we have, the emotions we feel are all made up of that part of us that's unseen, the soul. And yet, we see each other's soul. We see the attitudes that come up. We see the joy. We see the personality. We see the different aspects of our soul in our relationship as we interact with people. We can see their soul. Right now, this world is so much an influence on where our soul sees itself. And the peace that we seem to understand or how we seem to be able to cope with life as it comes to us. In the next world, our soul will be totally caught up in heavenly things. There'll be no earthly distraction. There'll be no problems. There'll be no things that separate us. There'll be no sickness or disease. There'll, there'll be no worry about family members because all there will be in the realm of God, being all in all of everything that will fill and satisfy our soul. It'll be uninterrupted. Coming to Jesus Christ starts bringing our soul into that transformation, salvation, and healing, that restoration. A righteous and godly soul begins to happen. Elijah's soul needed restoration. In 1 Kings 19, 1-4, King Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had executed all the 400 prophets of Baal with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when Elijah saw it, that he arose and ran for his life, and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and he came and sat down under a broom tree, and he prayed that he might die. And he said, It is enough now. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Here we see two, the two parts of Elijah. We see his soul that was told burn out. Here he had established this great victory in eliminating the prophets of Baal and the ungodly uh, worship of that, of that false god. But you see also how his soul was diminished and depleted from all that he'd gone through. 
And then he was running for his life. Now you say, he, he goes to God and he's praying that he wished he could die. Well, if he'd have stayed there, Jezebel would have completed that. But you see something inside of him, his spirit. His spirit taking him to God, running after the one who is the source of his mantle and his ministry, of the call of God in his life. And how you can relegate that to yourself today. How often maybe you're trying to do God's will and trying to serve God, and yet there's a part of you in your soul that is so depleted and so tired. And it is God that we have a place to run to, that he might refresh and restore us in true places of restoration. In 2 Thessalonians 3.13, we're reminded not to get weary in well-doing, but yet we can get weary. But we have a place. We have a place to have our soul restored and renewed and refreshed. Many of the people of God who were gifted and who God moved through became discouraged in their soul. And it's those times when we're, when we're discouraged and we're tired, we're vulnerable. Vulnerable to want to give up our faith. We're, we're vulnerable to want to run away from God. But it's God who wants to restore us. Paul talks about our weakness is a place for God's power to operate in. And in 2 Corinthians 12, 9-10, Paul was harassed by Satan, and he tells the Lord, and then the Lord said to him, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, and in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And I'm saying this morning, God is telling us, we have an opportunity to take those places of brokenness, those places of weakness, those places where our soul is so disturbed, and let them be a place that brings us to God. Let them be a place that causes us to move to God, to reach out to something beyond what we would go and reach out to, maybe beyond an addiction, beyond a substitute, and say, you know what, I'm not going to run anymore to something else, but I'm going to bring this place in my soul, this place that's separated, this place that's hungry, this place that's thirsty, this place that's weak, and I'm going to bring it to God and see what he's going to do with it. He restores my soul. In 1 Kings 19, 5 through 8. Then as Elijah lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and he drank and he lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights <clears throat> as far as the Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. Maybe some of you are in that place where you need a rest. And maybe it's going to be a place or a time where you just get away from everything that's familiar and busy, and you just rest. You just let your soul recreate and just having something to eat, something to drink, and you're just maybe taking a lot of naps. But there's something happened as God takes care of our natural needs, that he moves us into a place of receiving spiritually from him, 
There's a place of deep restoration in the soul that nothing in the natural, no amount of rest or sleep or recreating can do. And that's the place all of us must find in our relationship with Christ. The soul's need for restoration is complex, but the Lord is the true source of that restoration. In James 5.17, it says, Elijah had the same kind of human emotions and feelings that we do, the same ups and downs. But he was relying on that mantle, on that call of God over his life, on the anointing that God had given to him, on the ability for him to hear from God and speak that truth to those around him. The definition of the mantle. There's a number of definitions from the Hebrew, and I want to go through some of them. The first one is under 899. It's called a covering or a blanket, clothes or a robe. Some of the Psalms and in Isaiah talked about the mantle being clothes or a cloak or a blanket. But spiritually, it represents also a covering. Do you feel like you need to be covered? Do you feel like you're uncovered? The mantle, the anointing, what God wants us to remember is, comes over us is that anointing, that covering from God. It's a covering of protection. It's a covering of peace. It's a covering of authority. It's a covering of purpose. It's a covering of being able to tune in and hear God and receive what he wants to say to you. In the natural definition from number 117 of the Hebrews from Strong's, it's wide or large. It's a wide dress. It's a wide covering to cover all those places in the natural. Elijah's mantle was like Aaron's priestly garments. And we know when the, the tabernacle was set up in, in Exodus, there was a definition of the kind of robes that the priests were supposed to wear. And those robes and those uh, headdresses and everything they wore was a symbol of their God-called authority, kind of like the policeman's uniform or his badge. They represent his authority. And so Elisha's mantle was that representation of his godly authority in that prophetic office in which he held. And people, when they saw him, recognized who he was by that mantle. Elijah's spiritual mantle was kind of like a handle. I don't know, when I was at work, when I was a driver, because I'm so big, my friends called me Big B. They didn't call me Bruce, hey, hey Big B! You know, uh, what kind of calling we have. Our, our mantle is, is, a, is a unique calling from God. It's established by God. The Bible says in Corinthians that the Holy Spirit assigns each gift to each one of us individually. He looks at us, he knows how God created us, but he uniquely puts on us a gift, a calling, an ability. It's your mantle. It's your place of authority. It's a place of your destiny. It's a place of how you will be recognized in the body of Christ and how God will use you to build with other members of the body of Christ, especially in the local church. It's your expertise. It becomes what you're good at. It's a gift. It's a skill. A skill that's honed. It's a bent that you have spiritually when you're born again. It's something you, you just find yourself being gravitated to. I, can I be honest with you? In my soul, I really struggled going away last week to this grand opening. 
I wasn't particularly going to say anything or do anything. I felt like, well, I know Dory, she's so prophetic, God's probably going to have her prophesy or whatever. And so I was struggling in my soul. I think there's so much stuff to be done here. Why am I going? But I submitted, I went, and I remember even on a Saturday afternoon, Leo was so burnt out, so tired, he went and took a nap, and I was just in my room praying and reading and thinking like, God, I don't know why I'm here, but I'm here. And then the just it just unfolded where on Sunday morning, I had a prophetic word, I had some prophetic direction, and even prayer for the church. And it was just like the calling. And I remember in 89 when I first got prophesied over myself and just God kind of shifted our role together and growing in, in, the, in the church we were raised up in and doing ministry. I remember um, this guy, David Chalk, he was an old prophet, but his words were so right on. He kind of knew you because God spoke to him and told him about you. And he said things that I, I was really shocked, but he told me the mantle was going to descend upon you and it was going to expand and grow. And that was probably almost 40 years ago. And I've seen how God expands our anointing and our mantle. And he increases the influences. And I'm thinking like, wow, God, you, I guess I can see why you had me go up there last week. But I was thinking, in my own human thinking, isn't there someone that was there you could have used? Why did you have me come all the way from Hollister? You know, in our hum, human thinking, we wonder, why us? Why do you want to do it? Or why are you giving me this certain gift, God? And sometimes we struggle with the gifts that God gives us. But I tell you, that's the power of your mantle. That's the power of the anointing of God on you. And when you can really recognize the mantle of God in your life, you, it helps you restore your soul. Because you know you can do everything you can, but you can't get that soul restored because it's hungering for something more that cannot be fulfilled unless God fulfills it. And so... I hope you're understanding my message today about the need for your soul's restoration, but how the mantle of God, how the anointing and your call God wants to use to cause you to rise to a better place of joy and peace in this frustrating world. That scripture, you know, as we face even the darkness in our world and our soul gets overwhelmed with problems that we face, finances, everything that comes at us, and then all that we hear at the world and all the things that try to be, make us afraid or traffic on the road and whatever you're facing... The Bible says, wherever sin abounds, grace does much more abound. That means you can keep taking that anointing and what the Word of God says. You can keep encouraging yourself and lifting yourself out of discouragement, lifting yourself out of being depressed and downcast because it is the Spirit of God, it is the anointing of God that keeps you and helps you to grow. Another definition of the mantle, it's powerful. God's anointing on you is powerful. It's excellent. You know, there's a lot of uh, craziness in our society about, you know, putting people up and we call them famous. And we, there's people have followings. The famous people, the stars, have these following of people following them on Twitter and Facebook and all these things and following everything they do. But you really know, you know who's really famous? God. God is the famous one. He's, he's going to outlast the fame of anyone in the natural People have been dying. Famous people have been dying from the beginning of time. And, you know, people remember who they were, but they've passed away. God is famous. Jesus is famous. And he will last and live on forever. And so as we put our focus towards the God who, who, who is famous, the one who has a mantle, has anointing for us, we can have, again, that place of encouragement in ourselves. The mantle definition also is um, gl gallant, glorious. Jesus was gallant as he went to the cross and broke darkness and oppression. 
He was glorious in his resurrection. The mantle is goodly, it's lordly, and it's mighty. Another definition of mantle is to expand, greater, or it's magnificent, becoming glorious and honorable. That's that mantle that comes upon us. That's the anointing that comes on us and as we grow into it, and as we grow in the word of God, as we put ourselves into the body of Christ. My dad often talked about you know, his experiences in World War II and how a group of people were drafted and they came together. And each person began to take on specific uh, skill sets to do warfare. My dad, because he was a bigger man, he was told, oh, I want you in the heavy, they told him, I want you in the heavy weapons company. I want you to be able to carry a machine gun, carry ammunition. And so he said everyone, as their skills were honed and trained, they became part of something bigger. And just, just a couple weeks ago, I mean, I've been in church since I was eight years old, before then, or when I was, since I was four. And I'm seeing how the importance of being in the body of Christ because the, the, the local church, the body of Christ, is a place where we all begin to hone our spiritual skills and that anointing, that mantle that's upon us. And each one of us, you know, in, in our world, in our brokenness, we're told to be everything you can be and live for yourself. But in Christ, we're told to be all that we can be in our relationship with Christ and how he's growing us. But then we learn to submit our gift and skill set as just simply a member of the body of Christ. And I had the, the greatest experience a couple of weeks ago here. You know, I came like, like always. I'm always praying for you guys. I'm always praying for your spiritual life and your health and everything else. But I come because I not only do I have responsibility as a pastor over this church, I have responsibility to deliver the word. But I, something switched for me two weeks ago. And I realized as the worship team sang, as different people get, got up and gave prophetic words, and there was such interaction, I felt so happy that I had just one little piece in this church, one little piece in this service. And I just want to encourage you with this message that there is anointing. There is an anointing. But you have to have a place to submit that anointing and use that gift. And watch how God develops that anointing and that skill set you have and that gift. And as you use your place and your peace to be part of the body of Christ, the body of Christ becomes magnificent and glorious. And it becomes that thing that Jesus said he wanted it to be. That place where he's prayed for it in the past when he walked the earth. And he prays for it now in heaven. He prayed for that unity over the disciples. He prayed for the unity about all those who will come to know him through the message of the gospel. It's a powerful thing. You know, Elijah, part of the gift of his mantle, being a seer, being a prophet, was to hear God's voice and then tell the people. That was the, the parameters in which that mantle, uh, the prophetic mantle, flowed. And it was miraculous how it flowed. He was able to call fire down from heaven. He provided oil and meal for that, with that widow in that time when there was no food and there was a great drought. He raised that same boy from the dead, all under the guise of the anointing that God had. You know, sometimes we look at other Christians and we kind of maybe compare ourselves or, or, or like envy what they have. No, don't. Your gift, your mantle, your anointing, the calling of God on your life is unique to you and to how God made you and your personality. And if you just embrace who you are and the gifts God has given you, you are going to be so satisfied and so fulfilled because God made you and he knows the end, and he knows how flowing through you will make you so satisfied and so complete. 
the God's power and what the mantle, what is that mantle? It only represents the anointing that was on him. You know, there's different times it talks about him using the mantle and doing different things with it, but it was only a representation of what was inside of that spiritual component that God had put upon him. Another definition in the Hebrew, it means amplitude or the mantle's greatness in size and ability. A mantle is splendor and a goodly robe. There's another thing about the anointing that we have. The mantle we carry as believers, it expands the more we give ourselves to God and walk in that balance of who He is, we expand our influence and the mantle that God has given to us. Again, think of all the things that the world sends distraction on to invest in instead of investing in our spiritual life. And so we're always in this, you know, this game of gambling. Do I invest more into something, a kingdom that I can't see with my natural eye? Or do I keep just being, staying in my little circle and invest in what I want, what I want to do? Or do I invest everything now for an eternity that will far outlast what's temporal that I give my time to? Another definition is something ample, as large as a vine. Jesus is the supplier of the anointing for our mantle. He's the one that supplies that power that flows through our gifting. He's the one that when we're the weakest and we feel like we have nothing to give, can put an anointing on us. I felt that last week. I'm thinking like, okay, what am I doing here? And then all of a sudden, when God began to move on me prophetically, I knew exactly what I was supposed to say. And the pastor who gave the message was the founding pastor who had sent uh, Don and Leo out to start the church in Nevada. And he was there. And so he told me, when we pray for them at the end, I want you to pray over them. I tell you, I almost took the mic out of his hand. I had such, I had such a, a download of how I was supposed to pray, what, who I was supposed to call up and get the people involved. And it was like, whoa, God, I went from feeling like, why am I here to like, I had a clear knowledge and understanding. You know, in Corinthians, we, uh, some of us have gone through a class that talks about the prophetic and skilling ourselves in the prophetic anointing. And Paul said that is the greatest gift we're supposed to know. It's like that hearing mantle. It's like that, that mantle that Elijah had. He had that prophetic office. Well, for us, as the body of Christ, we are to use the prophetic to hear from God. We're to listen to hear from God so that we know what he wants to say to us, and then we can act. And when we're hearing from God, we become like Elijah. He was specific in everything he was hearing God, and he would say what God was, was telling him to say. And there was like the activity of the Holy Spirit that then backed up with the signs, wonders, and miracles. The garment or mantle was only a symbol of God's anointing. Elijah's calling. It was like the policeman in his uniform and his badge. Here's another definition. A garment, glory, goodly, mantle, robe, great calling, office to be employed, trained and be led by God. I have to say, I've been working on this for 66 years. God's been working on me. But God keeps expanding us. He keeps changing us. He keeps challenging us. And not all the challenges are comfortable. But if we keep staying in there, we'll have the fruits of what we've invested our life in. Especially, there's no, there's no loss in investing in God and His kingdom. You know, a lot of times where the word authority is used, or there's different people that have authority, and they're given authority, and we see it in government, and you know, officials, the army, the you know, police, everything. 
But there's authority in God that he gives you that you can walk in that really is humbling. Because you know who you are because of your relationship with God. But it brings a great peace and a great humility upon us. And it allows us to use our gifts. Because when we use our gifts in a, in a humble way, people can receive it. When there's arrogance, a lot of times people resist the arrogance or they resist authority because they have authority issues. But in letting God work on us, He works out those things in our life that are not right. The attitudes, the rebellion from our old nature. And He restores us into this place so that when He speaks to us, there's character and there's authority. In 1 Kings 19.13, So it was, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle. This is now he had run to the mountain to be with God. Again, he was just going to the source. He wrapped his face in his mantle, and he went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here? He wrapped himself in the cloak. You know, there's sometimes we're supposed to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Sometimes you have to Feel the feelings that you have in your soul. And you could just want to run from God. You could feel so downcast. But you go in faith with the anointing you know you have. And you wrap yourself in the presence of God. You wrap yourself in your anointing. You present yourself to God. And then God speaks. God clearly speaks and he encourages you. And you come out of that place of discouragement. And again, your natural mind can think like, wow, I went through all this in just a few minutes with God, just a couple of moments, and, and I'm free? I don't understand it, but I know it works. I'm going to close with this anointing, 2 Corinthians 1, 20-22. All the promises of God in Him are yes, and in Him are amen, to the glory of God through us. The promises of God are fulfilled by the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the power of God, and they come through us as we are vessels, using our gift, using our authority, using our mantle for God's glory. Now he, God the Father, who establishes us with you in Christ, has anointed us in God, who also has sealed us with his Holy Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. You have been anointed. If you accept Jesus Christ, you're anointed. It begins. When you seal something, when God seals something, no one can break that seal. You may feel like you're really in a bad condition or a backslidden condition. If you've accepted Jesus Christ and there's just inkling in your heart that you want to go all the way, you are in his hand and nothing, no one will pluck you out of his hand. And God can set on fire again a passion for him. God can wash away the darkness and the things that you've gotten involved with were have the things that have drawn you away from him. And then also, the guarantee. I mean, we have, how many of you have maybe had guarantees and then when you went to collect, the place is out of business or you find out there's a little stipulation in the contract and the guarantee is null and void. God's guarantee, no one can make void. And so he guarantees this anointing that has been come upon you just needs to be established even greater. That you need to give yourself to it. Give yourself to that presence of God and that anointing.